Hello, hello, everybody. How's it going? Welcome. This is Carl's Roller Coaster Podcast. Hi, Jeff. Welcome to the roller coaster. Hey, it's good to be here. Uh, thank you for uh, for having me, and um, it's wonderful to meet you. Great, yeah, it's uh, great to to get to chat with you. I just uh, I came across your your work recently, and wow, it's it's really it's really impressive. And and then just reading about you and how things evolved on your life, and and in terms of getting into this uh, uh, lighting career lighting designer career of yours it's just really really interesting so yeah it's it's great to have the chance to to have a chat with you thanks in advance for it and uh yeah let's get on with it all right let's go i appreciate you saying all those nice things by the way <laughs> great um so jeff uh tell us a little bit about how was your upbringing and where were you born uh, my upbringing was uh, very good uh, i was uh born in connecticut um, um, but I've been New England in New England my uh, my whole life. So half of my life was in Connecticut. The other half was in Boston. Um, um, I'm an only child, and um, <laughs> it's it's uh, it was a good upbringing. It was uh, a lot a lot of good memories. What was, um, if any, um, in family influence in your musical career? Uh, my father um, and would. Uh, take me to a lot of concerts when I was when I was younger. My first concert ever was Michael Jackson's Bad Tour. He also took me to see Bon Jovi and also uh, Guns N' Roses. Um, so I feel like as a kid, seeing all that just kind of wowed me. And it, I was just like, how is this possible? How can people put on all this stuff, you know? And then all of a sudden it's there and then we're gone, you know? So as a kid, I guess um, just the wonderment of seeing that kind of possibly put me on on the on the path subliminally to 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 hear but um you know it just kind of i've always loved music period and my my father also had a, a lot of uh, records that he'd always play um my dad was more about the pink floyds and like the, the like the rock and roll and my mother was like kind of like the pop top 40 80s so i had a pretty good mixture of um 80s and 90s music that kind of uh also i think helped influence me um, and it just, I just fell in love with music, period, because they were always listening to it. Wow, that's great. I mean, your dad took you to all those concerts. Do you remember um, what what age were you when, when you attended those? Oh, gosh. Um, I, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, whatever the bad album was out and he did that tour, I don't really recall, um, honestly. 1988. Uh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, you know, yeah, I was, I was young. Very without, nice. dating, without dating myself too much. <laughs> Super cool. Yeah, that's definitely one of the one of the acts that I did not get to see, unfortunately, uh, with Michael's passing. I had, at Michael's passing, I had tickets for his uh, "This Is It" concerts here in London back in two thousand. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, that would have been amazing. But uh, well, God bless him. God bless his soul. Yeah. Um, as I understand it, Jeff, you, you started as a booking agent and, uh, how did you transition from being a booking agent to lighting designer? Uh, 
Um, well, I would say uh, as a booking agent, it was more like booking a lot of local slash regional artists in the New England area. So it was very, um, it was very novice at best as a booking agent when it came to all that. So, um, but it, it helped get me in the in the business. Honestly, um, I also did kind of website design. So I was like website design slash booking agent for a lot of uh, artists that happen to also be my friends in New England and we'd book some shows and, you know, put them on. And as I was booking those shows and in charge of like website design for, for the artist, I was always like thinking about the visuals on the website side. So when I'd go see the live show and I didn't see it kind of like reflecting what the guys wanted, you know, on the virtual side versus the live side, I was like, well, can I, so I went to go talk to the person in charge of lighting. I was like, it's okay if I, you know, uh, mess around with some buttons he's like oh or they're like oh, i don't care because a lot of the times a lot of these rooms a lot of the audio engineer was also <laughs> having to run the lights so a lot of the times they just put it up enough because obviously they have to uh, you know take care of the audio um side of things so uh, a lot of the times no one will be doing anything uh, and so i have an opportunity to just kind of mess around and not really know what the heck i was doing um, but that kind of like sparked my interest right there um to become involved in lighting Right, and um, you you attended Emerson College in Boston, correct? Correct, yes, and uh, I majored in uh, television video with a, a slight minor in uh, new media. At the time, it was called new media, which was basically dig digital uh, art and uh, website design and uh, HTML coding. Do you think that acquiring, did, did you end up finishing the degree? I did not. Uh, I took a leave of absence to begin my touring career. Right. And, and how difficult was that decision? Did you think at the time that you would be returning at some point? Did you, did you foresee that you would just get from one job to another? What was, what was it like for you to make that decision? And did you actually share uh, that decision with your family? And did your family have any input on your decision at all? Well, that's a loaded question. Let me see if I can cover all, all the points. Yeah, to sorry, it. Um, let's break it down. <laughs> it's okay, that's all right. Uh, let me just, uh, all right. So uh, taking a leave of absence was a pretty easy decision because um, as I was in school and still involved in website design and booking and I would see all my friends kind of touring, uh, I was always curious and always wanting to do something like that because it always looked, you know, extremely interesting and fun. So I kind of had the... You know, I've always wanted to do that kind of a vibe. And then as soon as the offer came across my uh, plate, uh, I took it without question. I didn't really consult uh, family uh, on any of that. I was just like, this is an opportunity. I'm going to take it. No one's going to, you know, tell me, you know, no to an opportunity like this. So uh, I took it. And then uh, that's the first domino that fell. And uh, it's been what I've been doing ever since. So I basically kind of just say, hey, I went to school for whatever and so the time i spent there got me to the career i'm currently at so it doesn't really matter how you get there um, but uh, i got here do you think that um in any way the the degree would would like now obviously many years after that decision was made and and you have uh, been thriving uh and succeeding being successful in your in your line of work do you do you do you, is there anything during the last 15 years that you think that your degree might have have helped you in any way if you had finished it in terms of having an yeah. extra accolade uh, i believe so yeah i believe but i basically was uh, about to graduate let me say that so i'm a, like i'm basically a, a senior uh with only like a very few amount of courses left to do so with when it came to television video i i've, I've been able to apply a lot of that with lighting because I did take a, a theater lighting class just because it was part of uh, 
you know, the, uh, the criteria that I had to do um, with, you know, lighting, you know, studio lighting and all that um, with like live broadcasting and stuff. So I, I was able to apply that with a lot of DVD shoots that uh, I've done with um, All Time Low specifically. Also the Dresden Dolls, uh, they did a DVD shoot in London at the Roundhouse. Uh, that was the very, very first one I've ever done. And I almost immediately applied it because that was my first tour. Mm -hmm. So it, 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 not so much I didn't have a degree in it, but I had a lot of knowledge coming up to the point of almost having a degree that I was able to use uh, a lot of the stuff that I learned at Emerson. Um, not so much with lighting, but a lot with actually the, the lighting, uh, lighting world uh, being married with video. Um, and also just content uh, as as we've gotten, you know, bigger budgets, a lot of artists will have video and you can kind of help figure out what content will look good, why would it look good, and what color combinations would look good in that uh, content. So I feel like uh, no degree, but the, the knowledge uh, from the classes definitely helped. How were you approached and what, what artist was it for when you were, when you were approached for, for your first tour? My first tour was in 2006 with the Dresden Dolls. Oh, I see. And okay, I, and yeah. and this uh, one so led you was, to coming to London and uh, filming um, at the Roundhouse. Is that is that is that correct? Correct. Yeah, it, it wasn't. I don't. I don't. It's tough. It's because it's, it was two thousand and six. So it's obviously been a minute. But I believe it was the first or second tour I did with the Dresden Dolls over there. Um, I'd have to look back uh, at that. But, how um, how so so yeah. so yeah? If you could just uh, uh, be a bit more specific about that, because um, I mean, working in the music industry, we we know how difficult it is to score uh, a good jobs and get, and get things going, and then you end up um, getting your first job with a not with an act who was already touring uh, uh, internationally, and on this particular case, coming to London and playing a, a, a fairly big venue, which is the Roundhouse, and then uh, giving you the opportunity to straight away put in your CV that you filmed, that you did the whole, that you did not film, you did the whole lighting uh, 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 design show for, for, for a filming uh, DVD or whatever that, that was. So how did that occur? How did you meet the, the, the artist or, or who actually put you in touch with them? What was, the, what, was the, what was the link between Jeff Maker and the Dresden Dolls, for example? Uh, well, it, to, to go all the way back, it was uh, I was basically working as a bar back um, at the Paradise Rock Club in, in Boston. Um, and they basically, the lighting engineer there was looking for someone to uh, sub for, you know, his days off or whatever. And he had heard because on my resume, I put that I had dabbled and dabbled in lighting, you know, whatever that meant. And um, when I was looking for work while I was in school and... Um, they're like, oh, well, would you like to learn more about lighting? I was like, I would love to. So the house lighting engineer, uh, Shane, uh, train, trained me in lighting um, as best as he could. So I'd get my, I'd be able to run, you know, my own shows when he'd need days off. And it was, it was amazing. I, I, and I just fell in love with it even more so being like, this is something I think I'd like to stay doing. Um, so I tried to work out my class schedule with, you know, my show schedule that, that the Paradise and eventually there was a club in Axis, uh, named Axis in Boston that lost their lighting designer and uh, they brought me in to have, have that room for myself because it was the same company that owned uh, the venue. So they kind of swapped me over. So I got my own venue. Um, but going back to the Paradise, uh, the ticket 
taker there uh, was the tour manager uh, of the Dresden Dolls at the Paradise. Uh, they had seen me do lighting for some of the shows there, and they thought I did a good job. So uh, when I went over to Axis uh, was the, about the time when they were about to start touring. So I was about I was at Axis for about a year and a half before um, I had to uh, train my own substitute to uh, eventually leave to go on tour with the Dresden Dolls. But on that same note, the front of house engineer at Axis and the monitor engineer at Axis, both named Dave, um, Dave Hughes and Dave McNamara, um, were also touring crew for the Dresden Dolls. So the Dresden Dolls took the front of house engineer, monitor guy, and then myself, the lighting engineer from Axis, uh, to start their first tour, and uh, well, my first tour with them in 2006. Prior to 2006, they had already toured with um, I think Nine Inch Nails, they just got off tour with Nine Inch Nails prior to, to me hopping on with them. So it was a, a Nine Inch Nails was my favorite artist. So having heard that, I was even more excited. That's really amazing. It's, it's, it sounds like it's the classic, um, you know, being ready and at the right place at the right time. Because there, yeah. there is certainly a, a certain element of luck there, that the tour manager was working at the venue of which you were hired to, you know, do your job and, and, and the, those connections end up happening. So uh, that's, that's really, that's, it, it kind of, it always, it tends to be like that, isn't it? it this is, it's a very, this, this line of work, it's very difficult. There is no uh, real way to uh, apply online for a lighting uh, designer job for a specific artist, isn't it? This is more like a word, word of mouth kind of thing. You know someone that sees your work and then mentions to someone and then eventually the, you land uh, uh, um, the job, you know? So this is really cool. It's really cool to see that that, that really worked for you because it, it, it seems that after... Um, the Dresden Dolls, you, you you kept going, you progressed. So, do you, do you remember what was what was the what was the next band that you went on tour? Did you did you come back from the road and stay? Because uh, obviously, there's uh, especially in the beginning, I presume that there is so, lots of different like there's lots of gaps in between things, isn't it? It's not that you're getting a job that you know for a fact that you're gonna get. Uh, uh, 12 checks in 12 months, isn't it? So, um, so how yeah, was it for you? Uh, it was, um, it was scary. It was one of those things where, you know, you jump in, you, you're excited about it, but you don't really understand, at least I didn't, I'll say that much. Um, I didn't understand, you know, the, the feeling of what is next. Oh gosh, I don't know. And then that feeling of, uh, I got to find something to do. But luckily, I was able to still keep my job at home at the venue uh, when I would come home between tours. So uh, I'd still work at Axis and Avalon and the Paradise. Um, and now more recently, the House of Blues is where Avalon and Axis used to be. Those two venues are now where House of Blues is in Boston. So I, I had worked at House of Blues for about 10, 11 years or however long it, you know, it's, it's been open there. Uh, in between tours, so my my boss uh, Tim McKenna there, who oh, helped get me in the business as well, um, and always you know would drop my name whenever he could. Uh, still is production manager at that venue as well, so he was production manager at Axis and Avalon and and still at House of Blues. So it's another one of those things like you were saying. It's just uh, right place, right time. Being being surrounded by the right people who um, are there to help lift you up also helps too. Uh, and I've had I've been very lucky to have a lot of uh, coworkers and mentors uh, to do that for me very cool very cool um so you worked with like uh, many many artists uh the likes of good charlotte and the gaslight anthem dropkick murphy's 
uh, obviously all-time low. Uh, just to name a few, um, what what would you say are the main differences between X and how flexible you have to be? Um, I mean, I think every artist is uh, trying to tell its own story through its own music. So I approach each one as you know, totally open-minded and just try to you know try to help tell their story through lighting. Um, so I think it's just a matter of talking to the artist, seeing what they want to, you know, communicate. So, so a lot of times it's like, whatever you think is best, I'm like, great. And then, you know, you get to do do that. But uh, with the Dropkick Murphys, I was only filling in for a, a colleague and a good friend of mine, Brian. Um, he was out doing uh, Slayer's farewell tour. So uh, I just happened to have my schedule open and the Murphys, I know them anyway. So um when Brian can't do it, uh, some you know sometimes I'm the next guy up to get the call. Um, so that was fun to do that. But and I love touring with those guys. They're super, super nice, super great. Um, always down to earth, and they take care of their crew. So um, you know when you get the call from them, it's you know if I could say yes, I always say yes. Um, but so, sometimes you know the schedules don't work out. Like you know like you're saying, it's just tough. Uh, to do that um you know all time low has been you know my main act for the past 12 years so you know they're a priority um and you know if my schedule works out a lot of the times it does ironically and uh, i'm able to take other artists on and um it's great i mean it's it's a it feels like a big community but it is also a very small community as well because you know you get a lot of you see a lot of folks you know a lot of same guitar techs or front of house engineers um, on other crews because it's a very you know a lot of people still hire the same people in the same genres so you all come across a lot of friends on a lot of different tours that i didn't know were on that crew just yet so it's it's uh i don't know it's 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 kind of fun it's like going to the summer camp sometimes is there a big difference from for example if you take if you take a sound engineer if he does the sound for a specific type of metal band or rock band or pop artist um, generally speaking, that uh, that sound engineer he will uh, he will keep working with, you know, that sort of uh, musical genre because he extracts a, a specific sound, you know, a very heavy sound or, or or whatever you know might be the case. In the lighting world, is that is there such thing like you work with, you know, all time low, which is this huge spectacle and. Uh, massive mega production and obviously you could downgrade and do things in a much uh, 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 less scaled uh, uh, way but in terms of like the artists that you work with do you have to have yourself a sense uh, like is that is that is that an extra thing for like working with a specific type of rock bands instead of working with uh, you just mentioned it for example Slayer which is a completely different uh, uh, I'd imagine a completely different approach to designing the lighting show. So, how does that work for 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 a lighting designer? Uh, I really think it's. I, I think everyone is different. I I can't speak for everybody, but I, I mean, for myself, I, I feel like, like I, if I just sit down with their music, you know, and just listen, and ideas will come based on that. A lot of the times, and you know, sometimes you'll have ideas that you've always wanted to try. And sometimes you're like, well, it doesn't make sense. And you'll put it in your back pocket for, you know, next time it does make sense. And then maybe you'll come across an artist, you know, that's a little harder or maybe a little more theatrical. Uh, you know, the, the Dresden Dolls, for example, are very theatrical. So I feel like I applied a lot of my lighting, you know, course knowledge or whatever you would call it um, from the theater side of things in, at Emerson to the Dresden Dolls because it's very theatrical. So that helped there. So I feel like you definitely approach it 
differently, but um, I feel like it's just the music talks to you and tells you kind of uh, how how that design will will look and how it'll make sense. How much planning goes into it? Like uh, first planning uh, uh, the lighting show for a tour, and then I mean, how how does that really work? Do you like you just mentioned it now that you get you basically listen to the music? So I'd imagine if you are gonna go on tour, you're gonna get say. Uh, the last uh, record that was released or that that tour will be basically support in support of how how much planning does go into it how much uh, how much time in advance do you get to sit down and plan the show and what are the next steps do you bring your ideas then to management to the artist and then you go back to the scratch board if necessary walk me through the process of planning uh, the lighting designed for, for for a big tour say for example uh, all-time low um, I mean I, uh, everyone's time window is different um, when it comes to that so I can always again I can only speak to my my experience um, sometimes we'll get uh, three months um, and that's a lot of that's a lot of time for for a lot of the stuff we do I know a lot of other artists will take more time or less time it re it's really their prerogative and obviously budgets as well um, so about three months time so I'll basically draw it with a pen and pencil just to start um, and then, uh, then I'll put it, once I find, you know, the layout that I like, um, I'll put it, uh, you know, just throw it in Photoshop, just two dimensionally, just to kind of see, you know, what it looks like there and then kind of figure out the logistics of, you know, are these going to fit on the stages we're going through or this is, is it going to fit in the front door? You know, is it going to fit in the loading docks? Uh, you know, can all these pieces do this? Um, is it practical? Is it too too much? Is it you know not enough? You kind of just go through all the venues and you see the happiest medium that you can come up with as far as maybe fixture choices, maybe trim heights, you know, backdrop sizes, um, riser sizes, you know, when it comes to how high your stages are. So you kind of go through every bit. You know, arena tours are obviously a whole different animal. It's a lot of oh, it's all the same for the most part. You know, so that's a lot better, a lot. Um, less of a headache way to design, you know, um, but some of the rooms that, uh, for example, All Time Low has done, like, let's say overseas in the United Kingdom uh, or, you know, even in Ireland, um, the trim heights, you know, vary, the stage widths, the the room sizes, you know, they're, they're all over the place. So the arenas there aren't exactly all the same shape, obviously. Um, in the States, it's pretty straight up because they're usually basketball courts and hockey rinks. So it's pretty, you know, straight up as far as that goes. Um, but um, yeah, you just gotta kind of have to keep an eye out for all the variables and seeing how practical it is to set it up in a timely manner. And uh, once you get that part of it, then um, you know you kind of you're, you should be working within a budget that management gives you, um, so you know exactly a ballpark of what you should be spending or how practical again this would be with given the budget you have and. Uh, you know, uh, with All Time Low, they um, they do trust me with a lot of design stuff, but more they, they like to have a lot of their hands you know on as well. So they like to um, be involved in the design process a, a lot. So uh, we, there's a lot of you know back and forth with ideas as well um, when it comes to that part of it. Um, and once the band says yes, and if it's in the budget and it's all practical and it's easy uh, easily set up with uh, a great team. Um, that's uh that gets you to the point of you know locking in the gear and signing up uh signing the paperwork and get it getting it prepped uh, prior to tour 
Yeah, I was going to ask, but you you are, you've already uh, you've already answered uh, that management do come up with a a budget. So you you're not working. Uh, you you do know how much can you put and how much can you not on on the process of planning it, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and and budgets do change. I mean, I will say that. I mean, it's 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 just the nature of the beast. Sometimes, you know. Um, I, I'm just told, I just do what I'm told, you know, when it comes to the numbers. I'm like, you give me the numbers, I'll, I'll keep it in those numbers. Oh, you know, if we have to change anything, we'll change things. It's, 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 an, it's an organic, you know, process. And, um, you know, I, I enjoy it. But, you know, this, it, once, the, once you're in the numbers and everything is, is doable in these venues, uh, it's, it's pretty much a go. What, uh, what size of crew do you guys travel with? Uh, again, that varies. Um, I'll, I'll stick with the UK uh, for all-time low since we just did that one with a really big crew. Um, for, for myself, I had uh, three lighting techs, and I believe we had two uh, video techs. And then we had our video operator, uh, Santiago, um, taking care of all the video over there. And then um, um, Tom Lyons is my main tech over there as well. And... Um, it's a pretty decent crew. We had two, uh, two, two bus worths, uh, two bus, two buses full of uh, band and crew just for our side of the thing. Wow, I mean, just roughly from 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 what you have just mentioned, I think like what six, seven, eight people just uh, on 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 the lighting and the screens aspect of of the production. That's that's pretty sizable. <laughs> Yeah, it's a good size, um, but you, you need you need every one of those people to get uh, everything up on a, in a timely, uh, safe, and correct manner. So uh, it, they're very necessary folks uh, when it comes to the grand scheme of everything. Do you get to choose these people, your assistants and the pe assistants and the people that will be working with you, or how how how, how does that happen? How does that work? In the in the UK, I have been lucky enough to be able to do that. Um, I've worked with the same company, uh, Zigzag Lighting, over there um, for about ten years, maybe nine years. Um, but I've been lucky enough to have Tom as one of my techs for a majority of that time, and uh, he's just one of the hardest working people I've ever had the pleasure of working with. So. Anytime we go over there, I, I always uh, send him a message. I'm like, hey, buddy, are you available? Uh, can you be? <laughs> How possible is it? You know, uh, and he actually did that for us. He was like booked on some like TV shoot that he had to do over there. And then he saw we were coming through it. And I was like, uh, can you? he's like, dude, you don't even have to ask me. I'll just drop whatever I'm doing for you guys. <laughs> so he's he's just, um, I don't know, but it's he's great to have. And he's a hard worker. And he knows what he's doing. Excellent. Um, how much of like because obviously touring these days and and acts in general these days things have really really taken a very professional uh high level standard in terms of of how everyone uh the artist the act and the crew behaves while on the road um how how do you see that with all of those years of of working on the road is it something uh, and, and I'm trying to refer myself here to basically how professional everyone has to be in the sense of this is not a rock and roll party. This is actually work. We are here to do a job. And um, in terms of, you know, people, um, well, you know, doing things that they shouldn't be doing it 
like sleeping too late and not being completely fit and ready for, for, for the job the next day and things like that. How, how's your experience with that? Do you see um, a lot? Are you lucky enough to have a lot of professional people around you at all times or throughout the years? Have you, have you seen or experienced people just falling off the wagon a bit? I would say 95% of my career, I have been lucky enough to work with some of the most professional uh, folks in the business. The 5%, I would say, was uh, early on in my career, um, and maybe that was just because it was early on in my career. So I, I don't know. But I, as of this, I mean, the last, let's say the last 15 years of my touring career, I, I have just been, I've been very lucky to have some uh, great co-workers, great touring mates, great artists to work with. Um, I've never had any problems with anybody being unprofessional or, you know, making people feel bad about anything. You know, it's just been a great environment. I, I've just been very lucky. Have you toured during this last year um, since we since the world has started reopening? Yeah, I, I just I just finished uh, being off the, being on the road for about five and a half months oh wow with all time low so we i just got home probably about uh a week ago maybe maybe five days i, it's, I don't know times <laughs> time oh, strange wow. but um yeah so uh, in, in between we had like small breaks like i maybe had a total of i had two days off in between one of the tours and then i think five days off in between the other one so basically we just counted it as this is non-stop <clears throat> so, but now I'm home for the rest of the year. Uh, I just did some one-offs with All Time Low. We just did a show in Tampa, and then uh, they had a makeup show in New Orleans that we just did. Um, but those were the last few ones of the year, and I just got home uh, from those and uh, just kind of settling in and uh, enjoying time off. How was it uh, touring, obviously, with all the proto protocols and, and, and COVID going around and, and all that? I mean... For, for for you know for the last five and a half months just like you mentioned that you, you you've been on the road and I presume things just uh well just happen and it, well as expected you didn't have any any hiccups uh during the last uh period on the road how how, how was that for you did, did it change much how, how was it yeah it, it changed a lot actually and which we expected and everyone expected a lot of change and i think it also again it depends on what touring uh party you were in during this last year um i mean i i you know have colleagues you know that have told me on other tours you know how their protocols are going and stuff like that and uh you know you, you kind of like see the similarities and some of them are a little bit more relaxed and some of them are more similar to the ones we had which were very strict um, you know, it was negative tests, fully vaccinated, masks all the time, you know, so which we did and we had no problem doing whatever it takes to keep the business, you know, going our livelihood. And what we love to do is, you know, what we're here to keep going, you know, during this mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. It's so weird, you know, to, to, to try to do it. And, you know, we did it. A lot of other tours did it um, successfully. And, um, you know, I think it's going to still be kind of a thing for a while. I, I think 2022 is probably be the same vibe for at least the first half of the year i mean might as well just say the whole year because i just don't think it's just going to go away you know absolutely yeah. and it'll be on people's minds for a while and, and and honestly i don't mind the stricter protocols i mean if it's going to keep us safe and even if people are sick you know now we know you know it's like okay great good keep a mask on you know like we know like the you know things that we wouldn't have known before 
Absolutely, um, yeah. So and 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 the, and the less and sometimes less people backstage is is a better environment not only for the artist but for the crew because sometimes you know crew don't get a chance to have some quiet time or a place to sit. You know, sometimes you know mm-hmm. it can get a little crowded. But you know that's just the nature of the beast. But these new protocols have helped kind of thin the herd out, and it's been um, it's been different, but nice. Yeah. How how's your how's a normal day for you? Uh, on the road. I mean, what time do you generally do, do, do? Do you normally get to the venue, and then you get your setup going, and then you have a break, you have dinner, and then you back to work. And 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 after, as the show ends, does your job ends there, or do you have any other roles in terms of uh, packing away desks and things like that? In the States, um, I tend to have to do um, everything myself, so I don't have any techs uh, on some of the all-time low tours, I'd say the majority in the States at least. Uh, overseas is where um, the budgets are a little bit bigger, um, which allows for the uh, necessary personnel uh, to be present. Um, but in the States, uh, um, I've, I've set up a lot of this stuff on my own, so I'll basically get up with the production manager and our stage manager um, do the venue walkthrough, even though, you know, our, our production manager will always have our information we need in a Dropbox folder, you know, that we need like patch sheets or stage plots, all the, all the good stuff, but we'll still do a venue walkthrough just to make sure everything from paper is, you know, looking like it does in reality. And, uh, you know, our stage manager will just make sure our spots on stage are sectioned off. So he knows where dimmer beach will go for my lighting power. I'll go take a look at front of house to see how much room they have, um, they normally get a lighting writer from me, uh, whether they read it or not is a whole other story, but <laughs> there's certain things on there that, um, that, that, that'll help their day if they were able to do it before we get there. Um, we'll see if we have to run my lighting snake. Sometimes houses will have lines already run that, you know, is all I need, like a cat, cat six, cat five, whatever. Um, and if they do great, we'll test it out and we don't have to run my snake. So it's like one less thing for me to have to do at the end of the night. because I'm already doing a lot of setup alone. Um, but we have a lot of stage hands, you know, that'll jump in, but you know, you kind of have to just make sure that they're doing the right stuff. But, um, um, when you have a good lighting prep and a lot of everything's labeled perfectly, it's a lot easier to direct uh, local hands to help you do that. Um, but yeah, so basically set up everything, uh, test everything out, uh, go to front of house, set up, make sure the consoles are set up, plug in, test your, uh, lines, make sure everything is good that you set up. Then I'll take the house patch if I haven't already done that already. And, clone uh, my fixtures over to from their house rig so that it looks all beautiful like it all makes sense almost like we brought in some of the house stuff ourselves if possible um, program as as much as i can if i get a lunch if i have time for a lunch break i'll take one um, if not sometimes i forget to eat um, then sometimes we'll have to do a sound check party so we'll be present during that and then after the sound check party if i have to finish any updates i will if not then um, i'll hand the lines back over to the house or to my lighting techs, whoever will be running us uh, support, if that's you know the deal. Um, and then I'll take a dinner break, hopefully a nap maybe, uh, run the show after that, uh, then we'll break down, load up the truck, and uh, go to sleep and repeat. <laughs> How, uh, what do you miss most uh, from home when you're on the road, Jeff? Uh, I miss my girlfriend the most. I miss my dogs. Um, I miss my own bed. <laughs> um, uh, home cooked meals. I, uh, I don't know. 
sometimes uh, personal space because you're always surrounded by people, you know, in front of house and stuff. Um, that's just part of the job. But sometimes you're like, man, it's you know, when you get your own space, that's mm-hmm. you, you appreciate it more. Yeah. So um, yeah, I'd say I'd say that. Um, yeah, which brings the question, uh, as you just mentioned, it. Um, how how I mean, how difficult it is, or or if not, what? How do you deal with the the situation? Well, with your personal life, basically, because it is mm. it is always a question for every touring professional: be an artist, be that an artist, or be a crew member. Um, how how is that for you? I mean, you've been obviously um, doing this for so many years, and as you have mentioned, now you 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 do have a a person in your life. A girlfriend and how how does that work? I mean, how understanding the person next to you have to be, and how difficult it is for you as well to be all that time away from from them. Um, you have to be with someone very understanding, extremely understanding. Um, it's di- very difficult. Um, her and I, we uh, FaceTime as much as we can, um, talk as much as we can, text as much as we can. Um, she comes. Um, out to visit um as much as she can too um but it, it was also you know it's we should have to go get you know negative tests even you know she's fully vaccinated but she'd have to go get you know negative tests and always be masked up as well during all the visits so there was an extra added layer of okay we have to do this before you come visit kind of a thing so i mean she did it more times than you know anybody i know uh, as far as getting <laughs> tested mm-hmm. all the time mm-hmm. um but uh, so yeah, I mean, it, it's you, you have to make the effort, and um, it takes a lot of understanding, and it takes a lot of time apart. Um, but it's um, um, she's a trooper. When it comes to um, the, your your time on the road and it and the future, do you see yourself at some point changing the direction of how you operate in the sense of? Okay, perhaps now I'm gonna have a family, and uh, I do want to stay more at home other than on the road. Do you? Is it something that goes in your mind? Is it something that you contemplate at times? Is it something that you definitely do not think about it at this stage? <laughs> no, I think about it. Uh, I think about the future a lot, um, and to try to plan it, even though that's impossible sometimes. But um, I mean, the ideal job for me, I feel, and this is, I'm just putting it out in the universe. I'd probably love to do lighting for one of the late night shows um, that does a lot of, a lot of good, you know, live-ish lighting. You know, Kimmel does a good job with that. So um, something like that after touring, if that's still a thing, uh, would be great. Or doing lighting for Saturday Night Live, I would flip out if I was able to do that. But um, I feel like that's where my head would be at um, if I were to conclude touring um, or maybe lighting, um, you know, film in some other ways, kind of bringing it back to what I went to school for. You know, that would also be nice if, if this could potentially lead back to where, you know, kind of started in some form to, to get me off the road. Um, but, yeah, I think about it. Cool. What? Uh, well, I'm actually going to move now into what I call um roller coaster questions so uh, all right let me just put my seatbelt on <laughs> please do it's nothing all too right. crazy about it but yeah <laughs> all right i'm ready <laughs> jeff do you have or follow any morning routines I, um 
kind of. I mean, it's just literally get up, brush, uh, like brush your teeth, <laughs> get dressed for the day, uh, and then just uh, maybe have a coffee after that. But I try not to after I brush my teeth. I kind of wait till maybe after load in. But um, <laughs> that's about it. Though it's not very. Uh, glamorous it's just wake up and do your job <laughs> you mentioned that, that well yeah you mentioned in the case of being on the road but uh does is it is it the same situation for you when you're at home or does it does it does it differ in any way uh it's a lot more relaxed at home without getting too much into my personal life we uh tend to sleep in um and you know we'll make breakfasts or you know go antiquing you know stuff like that has been I wouldn't say a routine, but just it feels more normal. And and that, those are the things that kind of stick out in my mind is, okay, this is something we can do anytime we want to do it, and we can make it our routine. Fair enough. Are you a spiritual person at all or have any particular beliefs? Um, I'd say uh, the, the, the term uh, spiritual, I think, is defined by each person um, individually. I don't know... Um, if I have any particular beliefs, I, I feel like I'm a very spiritual person when it comes to maybe being in touch with the earth. I, I don't know. Like I love going outdoors. I love swimming. I love hiking. I love smelling, you know, like just like pine, you know, in the forest, if we're hiking or like the smell of like a waterfall mist, you know, stuff like that. Not to sound too cheesy, but I feel like that's as spiritual um, as I would get. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a great answer right there. Um, what's your view about money? Uh, it's, I mean, it's a life necessity that we were kind of born into. And so we just have to deal with it. Uh, so, uh, it, it's, it's good, I guess, because we need it to survive in a way, but it's the root of all evil in a lot of other ways. Uh, I don't know. You have a love hate relationship with something like that. Yeah, I do actually, um, <laughs> I do actually think in a very similar way. So, uh, yeah, very, very well put. Yeah. It's good to have a bunch, but you're, then you're like, okay, I have a lot of this, these numbers, you know, okay, I, I exchange these numbers to feed myself. It's like, it's just a weird thing. I don't know. It just doesn't seem normal for human beings. Yeah, totally. It's, it's, it's another creation of ours that, like you said, we were born into it. And I mean, you were into yeah. this, this, this thing that is going on and there's no way to, you know, be out of it unless if you become, I don't know, someone completely detached from from what we perceive as being reality, right? <laughs> so, so right. It's, it's I mean, I, I guess you could live off the land, it's, but it, it just takes money to go to that too. So like exactly. you, in order to do that, in order to rid yourself of money, you have to uh, spend the money. Totally. <laughs> to, totally. To, to, get, to get there. So. Yeah, no, totally. Um, what do you do to unwind? What's the perfect lazy day on your books? Oh, uh, the perfect lazy day is uh, probably the routine I was describing about us sleeping in um, and just relaxing. And um, I, I, for some reason, I just think of just a beach. I mean, just sitting on a beach, sitting on a pool, drinking uh, Mighty Vices, you know, those pina coladas, half pina colada, half strawberry daiquiris. Those uh, just they're just so delicious, and I feel like that's just a nice, relaxing, you know, vibe. Uh, a massage would be great. Those those are nice. Uh, so uh, spa, a spa day, a pool day, a beach day, and Miami Vices for for beverages uh, would, would be great. Oh man, you just put that image in my 
now and, uh, and here in in the uk the weather is so grim at this time of the year that it's just like oh, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i know I, i do love it over there though i mean you, when you get your sunny days you you, you appreciate them a lot more oh absolutely sure. that's for sure yeah. yeah yeah when you when you get a, a good sunny day it's just like yeah Th this place would yeah. be absolutely um i mean in my way of seeing absolutely perfect if the winter wasn't as grim as it is you know but but then again yeah. those things you can't really change it it is what it is so <laughs> very true uh jeff what are you listening to these days oh uh let's see usually artists that um i'm on the road with but you know what let me just i'm just gonna bring up my i have a front of house playlist that i listen to every day and uh i just kind of put on music there as i'm updating like positions or oh wow is that is that or, a public or playlist like, that you could share with no you? it's i just it's just for for my own ears like i for, for example i have something i have like the commodores to adele to prince to girl in red to uh like the batman soundtrack you know like mm -hmm. or stranger things or caddyshack or the et theme song like little things like that or or you know, Starship for the soundtrack from Mannequin, you know, I don't know, like it's all over the place. There's a lot of eighties like sprinkled in with like new stuff. And, um, yeah, I think that's it. Really cool. Really cool. Um, what are some of the subjects that you enjoy exploring about outside the ones that we've already talked? Uh, I love, uh, outer space. I love, uh, stargazing and just planets, you know, facts, uh, looking at stuff like that and um just everything everything outer space everything just it's just so mind-blowing and i'm just so curious about everything and i just go cross-eyed thinking about the vastness of it all and and our place in it and just stuff like that I, it just drives me uh crazy in the best way possible just thinking about it so I, it's, it's something i've always wanted to do <laughs> is to be an astronaut but i, I don't that's off that is never going to happen so it's just one of those things with that can maybe read as much as I can on it or watch enough documentaries or interviews about it or, you know, YouTube videos about it or whatever, just to get as close as I can. Do you believe that there are, there are life outside of our planet? Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bit, that's the, the multi-million question, isn't it? I mean, we live, we, we live in this planet, just literally, like I, was, I was having a chat yesterday with a friend about it, and we, because we human beings, we have been inhabiting this planet for, for so long, for like, as, as sapiens, for at least two, and then now they're saying between 200 and 300,000 years, but, but it's millions of years of, of, you know, biological evolution. And because yes. we are on the top of the tree, because we are... Um, arguably the most intelligent living creature here and we haven't met yet any other form of life that can actually put the finger in our face and say hey you stupid you human being don't do this you know don't destroy the planet don't do this that'd be thing. nice if you we know maybe nice we met an, an external force such as that too absolutely to say, it would, it would to be, say something like that absolutely i think it would be very humbling and it would uh it would change our our understanding perhaps of of you know thinking that we know it all because we can see exactly. and we can hear we have this 
uh, it's just in our subconscious, I believe, already in our, you know, in our own um, iOS programmed in ourselves that we think that we know it all just because, you know, that's that's what we see and what we hear, and that's kind of like very li it's very limiting in many ways because thinking that you know it all, and by that I don't mean in a, in a, in a um, in any uh, other way than basically, you know, we believe what we see and what we touch and what we hear kind of thing, you know. So, uh, yes. so you know, I think it would be super cool to actually have, you know, an external force, hopefully not coming to, you know, um, I don't know, uh, get our precious uh, planet from us, but to really <laughs> just give us a good uh, slap in in the face and say, hey guys, come on, get your shit together, you know, <laughs> this printing money of yours means nothing, man, this is not, this is not real, dude. <laughs> right, that brings it all full circle, yeah, we need like, uh, alien mommy and daddy to come down and be like, look, you kids, you, you rascals, you know, you're, you're all, you're all messing up, but I mean, yeah, if, yeah, I, I don't know, it's, no, yeah, that, that's, that's if cool. it happens in our lifetime, we'll, we'll, we'll circle back, you know, oh, hey, remember we were talking about that, <laughs> now, and now the aliens are here, and uh, we'll circle back to it. Yes, yeah, I think, I think that's actually um, a very, you know, we can, you know, uh, wrap it up here, this comes into um, a good, a good level of, of conversation for, for my understanding here, so Jeff, I really, really appreciate your time, man. And uh, All right, thank you. I appreciate uh, you having me on, uh, and I appreciate you reaching out. And uh, this was extremely fun, so thanks for having me. Keep doing your good work, man, and uh, congrats on your career. It's uh, uh, it's very, very difficult for people to succeed, um, in, in, in the level that you are actually playing. So it's it's really cool. I mean, it's uh, it takes a lot of effort, um, and well done. Keep keep working hard. Keep doing your thing, and uh, I'm sure we're gonna cross paths on the road at some point. That sounds great, man. I appreciate you saying all that, um, and I'll talk to you soon. I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation, this podcast, as much as I did doing it. So, if that's the case, please do follow on Instagram at Rollercoaster Carl, myself at Carl. Casa Grande on Twitter, same thing. Facebook, same thing. Uh, do subscribe. Do subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Spotify. That's very, very much appreciated. Thank you and have a great, great day. Cheers. Bye-bye.